So welcome to our, our Wednesday Bible study and prayer time. And we need to pray as we were looking at last week's study in 1 Peter chapter 4. And hard times, suffering, can, should <laughs> have us to pray. And uh, we were talking last week from chapter 4 of 1 Peter. And we'll turn there now. Chapter 4 and verse 7. <coughs> And we, we said, if ever, this is appropriate, it's now, because this is closer than ever, but the end of all things is at, ha- is at hand. <laughs> and um, that's very pertinent for today. Uh, we're to be sober and watch unto prayer. <clears throat> we're to embrace suffering and exploit it. Exploited, exploiting suffering, the exploitation of suffering in verses 7 through to 11. We looked at, it'll make us more prayerful in verse 7 because the end of all things is at hand and uh, been reading through Job in the past few days, the last week and uh, he he didn't exploit it although he did in a way because of the verse that really is a summary of Job when I am tried I shall come forth as gold. So it purified him. He was, got rid of the dross. It did make him, he, he lost a lot, but he came out the other side, purified as gold. And No, don't do that. Curse God and die. He didn't do that. He trusted the Lord, <clears throat> and he came out the other side a better man for it, and more respected. Although when he was down and out, he was like sitting in the in the heap with boils and sores, and even the youth come come past and despised him and kicked his feet out of the way, just reading it, and they treated him very roughly, discourteous and everything. Although he had employed them, he'd given them jobs, he'd helped the poor, he'd helped the widows, and then when he was down and out, they didn't help him, <clears throat> and even his miserable counsellors, the three miserable men treated him very roughly and accused him of all sorts of things. But anyway, he came out the better for it, having been taught some lessons. And may we exploit suffering. Most of the times we grow bitter instead of better. I pray that we won't. Um, Make us more prayerful. And we got to looking at it'll make us more helpful in verses 8 to 10. Above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves for charity shall cover a multitude of sins and we looked at the thought <coughs> or the it seems like the two different thoughts there reconciling the two thoughts love covers a multitude of sins and he that covereth his sins shall not prosper and one was personal there if you cover your sins you won't prosper you need to confess and forsake them and if necessary confess them to people that you've done them against and if you don't and they need to be then God will reveal them and open them up as he did with David and others and um, love covers a multitude of sins you don't go repeating other people's sins you cover you don't publicize them so Christian love is forgiving when and it makes us more helpful in the ministry when we do that let's pray and ask the lord as we guide he guide us through 
what we have for us tonight. Thank you, Lord, for your word. <clears throat> and do pray that as we look at these thoughts tonight, that we would grow in you, and as trouble comes our way, that we would grow in it and better, not bitter, and that we would exercise Christian love one toward another. Lord, there is times that we need to confess our sins when we have sinned and not try to cover them and hide them. And Lord, we need to confess and forsake them. Lord, we pray that we'd be ones that endeavour to cover other people's sins and not expose and gossip about them. And Lord, Lord that that might be helpful in the ministry, in the work, in the Christian love might abound. Lord, we know that there are times when things need to be dealt with and that they'll be dealt with in a Christian manner, in a godly manner. Bless us as we consider more thoughts from this portion in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Christian love is also fervent in these hard times. Have fervent love among yourselves. That's the first part of verse 8. We looked at that there. So that's the agape love, sacrificial love. We're to have an intense Christian love one toward another. Not just an emotional feeling, but a choice of the will to love one another. And verse 9, we read, Using hospitality one toward another. You see, exploiting suffering. When people are going through suffering, we can exploit that in that we can use hospitality in ministering to that person's need and show Christian love. So Christian love is fitting on those occasions, using hospitality ungrudgingly, generously. Now, <clears throat> what was it like in the days when Peter was writing this portion of scripture for Christians? It was tough. It was hard going. It was uphill battle. And... Uh, they needed to use hospitality, even even a bed for the night, even if they didn't have a meal, they didn't have a lot of things, but they were to do it generously. And it was dangerous to stay out on the street and to be in the byways and highways at night in those places. There were few inns, there were poor believers, there were persecuted saints. And so hospitality was a virtue that was desperately needed in the day Peter was writing this. And it's commanded and it's commended of Christians to be that way then and for the first 300 years of the church it was a blessed thing to be able to exercise and even today. And throughout scripture it's been used as exam examples for Christians but believing people to exercise hospitality. <clears throat> In fact, as you go back to the Old Testament, we won't turn to these but in Exodus 22:21, Moses included hospitality in the law to take care and help those that have a need. Um, and it's woven in there. It doesn't use the word hospitality, but to, to give back those that have lost their property in the year of Jubilee. That is a form of hospitality in that they have, through misfortune, lost their properties. Deuteronomy 14 speaks of Hospitality in a way in verse 28 as well. <clears throat> um, Jesus enjoyed hospitality, did he not? What does it say? He, the foxes have holes and the birds have nests, but the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. 
but he did have places that he could go to that he knew he had a place. If he was going past, he could he could knock that door and he he'd have hospitality. And most people know whose place it was. Whose place was it? Let's turn to Luke. Mary Martha. Yep, Nazareth. At Bethany. Luke chapter 10 and verses, verse 38. There we read, It came to pass, as he went, he entered into a certain village and a certain woman made, named Martha received him into her house. She had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. And you have the story about uh, Martha was cumbered about with much serving, so it was a place he frequented. And uh, I don't know that they fully realised who they were entertaining <laughs> at that time, but they were entertaining the very Son of God on earth. What a privilege they had to entertain more than an angel, the angel, the Son of God, and, and, and to have him... And, Mary was sitting, learning at his feet of the Lord Jesus. And what a privilege she had because she was hospitable. Now, I know Martha got upset and we could say, yeah, I feel for Martha too. <laughs> how, how she got all out of sorts with Mary. <clears throat> but, you know, they only had the Lord for those, those few years and uh, well, only had that opportunity for that time. And Mary made the most of it. Martha didn't know that it was only going to be that short few years that they could minister to him. And we don't know either when strangers come our way that this might be a short time, might be only once that you get to do that. <clears throat> um, Acts 28, 7. Oh, we won't turn there, just mentioning these. Philemon. Philemon. Um, who had he hosted in times past? And, and, and the, yes, and Paul was able to lean on him a little, wasn't, wasn't he? Because he said, Paul said to Philemon, you owe your own life to me. So take Onesimus back as a slave that has escaped from you for my sake. And I'll repay if he, you know, he owes you anything there. But um, <clears throat> there... Philemon had been hospitable to Paul on his journeys and probably gave him a good something to leave with and part with. Uh, you think of the Ethi, the um, the priest and the uh, <laughs> the story of the three that and, and the one that stopped bound him up. Good Samaritan, that's it. Good Samaritan bound him up. And that was being hospitable in looking after him. Human hospitality is a reflection of the hospitality of the Lord to us. In Luke's Gospel again, chapter 14 and verse 16, we read this. Then said he unto him, A certain man bade a great supper, or made a great supper, and bade many. And he sent his, <coughs> he sent his servants at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And in this, in bidding us to come to a great supper, the feast that the Lord has laid out for all of us who are sinners, he's bidding us, isn't he, through hospitality, to come to him 
and to know him and that he would meet our spiritual needs forever if we come to him. And so the Lord has bidden us in his hospitable heart to himself that we might enjoy him forever. And, and you know one of the first things? Well, the first thing when the church gets to heaven will be the, the uh, Bema seat, I believe, the judgment seat. But what's after that? The marriage up of the Lamb, isn't it? And, and what does the Lord do? He serves. He's, he's going to be very hospitable toward his bride for that time after that. It, and I believe it may be during the millennial time that that happens. That's, that's incredible that God will serve in that manner. You'll feel like, no, no, we need to be serving. We need to be serving him. Well, <clears throat> that is the heart of God. And... Uh, he, he, he served us and serves us in so many ways and he wants us to have that heart. Every day he serves and ministers to us. He keeps us. He upholds us. He sustains us. He keeps this world going. He protects us in so many ways. He, he, he provides angels. And an angel, I believe particular angel, as Hebrews talks about, for the saints, for those that should be heirs of salvation. And so he's always looking out and looking over humanity and people. And uh, he, he's providing all that way and being hospitable toward us, even those that are rejecting him. He provides these things for. Um, <clears throat> Christian leaders in particular, what does it say in the... Well, let's turn to one of them, Titus. We'll go to Titus chapter 1 and verse 8. What does it say there? Titus 1 verse 8, that... Uh, Listed amongst the um, qualifications for a leader in the church. And not what they are, but what they should do. What is one of the qualifications there? Love of hospitality. Yep. Yep. Given to hospitality. A lover of hospitality in verse 8. I love, lo love to have people around. A lover of hospitality and to, to go and meet others' needs, even when many times those who are strangers come and take advantage of you. <laughs> they weren't angels, but some of them turn out to be angels, <laughs> not all of them. <laughs> and, uh, but that's what it says there in Titus and Timothy also, First Timothy 3 two. Now there's another man in the Old Testament in Genesis chapter 8, 18 that didn't know who, was he, who he was entertaining, but he entertained some folks, three that come along. 18, Genesis 18. Abraham. Abraham. Genesis 18. And verse 1 we read, And the Lord appeared unto him in the plain of Mamre, and he... He sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. So I can just see him doing that. <laughs> and lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground. And it, they didn't get a lot of visitors that, <laughs> out there. <clears throat> and he said, My Lord, if now I have found favour in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant, let a little water be... I pray you be fetched and wash your feet and rest. You know, he, he was really showing hospitality. Come in, welcome. You know, let's have a chat, let's have a talk, let's stay 
And we, we know that he was entertaining the Lord unawares. <laughs> Christophany, an appearance of the Lord before he appeared as a babe at Bethlehem there and uh, he didn't know it. And you can go down there and Sarah laughed and all the other things that happened there and ran and dressed to, dressed the cuff. I mean, have you ever done a cow in? I mean, killed a cow and, and dressed it, scun it, guarded it and all that. That doesn't happen just quickly. It takes a time to do that. But this is what all happened there. And that was, as you say, that was pretty fresh. <laughs> it probably it didn't have time to bleed a whole lot, but he got it ready and he... Well, of course, if he, had, he had servants, and he would have been talking to these three as they were there being entertained by him. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13. This is an important thing. As Christians, you see, in times of trouble, in times we're talking about when Peter was ministering, <clears throat> there, were, there was a lot of need for, in circumstances that people were facing to meet other people's needs. 13 verse 2 of Hebrews, Be not forgetful to what? Entertain strangers. For thereby some have entertained angels unawares. And so we help to promote truth when we open our homes and our hearts to God's servants, even as it is over in 3 John. 3 John verse 5 and following, in like manner. Oh, what? That was Jude. We'll go back to. Beloved, thou dost faithfully whatever thou dost to the brethren and to strangers who have borne witness of the charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, so you're helping them as they come in, you minister to their physical needs, you talk on spiritual matters, thou shalt do well as you bring them on their journey. Bring them forward. Because for his name's sake they went forth taking nothing of the Gentiles. So these are ministers of the Lord that... That these local people are ministering to and you've done well to do this wherefore we therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers of the truth so when you entertain strangers when you entertain those that are ministering the word you are fellow helpers of the truth and I think if you go we won't turn there but I think it's Matthew 10 20, 41 that if you <laughs> receive a prophet in a prophet's name, you receive a prophet's reward. That's an interesting concept. <laughs> and I think we should be encouraged with that. That if we, uh, not, not that we do it to get the, the reward, but we, when we do do it from the right heart, God will bless us with that. When we share with others, we share with the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can remember... The prophecy in Matthew 24 and 25 where in the tribulation time that those that there's, the Lord's come and he's rewarding the sheep and the goats. The goats are, are cursed and the sheep are blessed. And he says to the sheep, enter thou into the joy of the Lord. And well, what have we done? Well, in that thou hast done it to the least of these my brethren, that is the, the believing people and maybe the 144,000, you've entertained them, you've put them up, you've housed them, you've, you've, you've hid them, you've clothed them, you've whatever, fed them, you've done it unto, what did he say? You've done it unto me. So when you do this to brethren, Christians, you've done it unto me. And we should not hinder or stop from 
helping others and minister ministering to others. We should open our homes and our hearts to them. Uh, <clears throat> do it to glorify the Lord. Back to back to Peter there, and I think this is a good one. The exploitation of so when people are in hard times, you can minister. And I think that's what Timothy said in First Timothy six comes to mind, where he talks: if you've got money, use money to win friends to eternal habitation. So if you've got the ability to do it, use it. Use it rather to encourage them to come to the Lord. And how many people have been won by somebody who has got the means to do it, being hospitable to somebody who hasn't got the means? So there, there's a, a thought, and uh, we're talking about exploiting suffering in that way. It will make us more helpful. Christian love is forgiving. Christian love is fervent. Christian love is fitting in using hospitality. And fourthly, in verse 10, Christian love is fruitful. As every man hath received the gift, this is this is First Peter chapter four verse ten. As every man hath received the gifts, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. <coughs> it results in a service, as we, as good stewards of the gifts and manifold grace of God given to exercise these gifts. It results in service in our life as we have been given these things. Minister the same one to another. Stewards, we are. Each Christian has at least one spiritual gift. If you're born again, you've got at least one, a predominant one, if not others that are less predominant. And we must use it to the glory of the Lord. Can you remember where in the Bible, in the New Testament, the gifts are spoken about? Because it's, it's important, important that we maybe read through it now and then to see which ones are. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Another portion. It's easy to remember once you've got that one. Another chapter 12. Romans. 12, 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians chapter 4. They're the, they're, they're the sort of the bigger ones. And so there it talks about the gifts that are given. We're stewards. <clears throat> We're entrusted with these. And let's use them for God's glory and the good of others, the good of the church, not for ourselves and for building up the saints. There are the miraculous sign gifts, and they've been done away. There are the service gifts of teaching and preaching and prophesying, foretelling the word of God, governing, serving, evangelists, pastors, speaking gifts. And what are they for? Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. <clears throat> so the, the troubles that come, the sufferings that come, make us more helpful. And in love, we will use the gifts we have in these troublesome times to be fruitful in edifying. And this is what the gifts are used for, to edify, help, build up, exhort one another. And you've got it in chapter 14, and it repeats it over and over again. 
Look at verse 3. He that prophesieth prophesieth unto men to edification and exhortation. He that speaketh in unknown tongues, when they did, edifieth himself. But he that prophesieth, what does he do? Edifieth the church. In the last part of verse 5. He that speaketh with tongues, except he interpreteth, that the church may receive edifying. The whole purpose of the tongues in the early church, while it was still operating, was to edification. And down in verse 9, So likewise ye, except ye utter by the tongue words easy to be understood, that's understanding. How shall it be known what is spoken? So if it's a tongue, no one understands what's the use of talking it. It's not giving anyone edification or understanding. In verse 12, <clears throat> Even so, ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to the what? Edifying of the church. In verse 14, it talks about understanding. And, and again in verse 15, twice the word, I will sing with understanding. I will pray with understanding. In verse 16, <laughs> seeing he understandeth not what thou sayest. You see, the whole purpose of having gifts and having these abilities that God has given is to edify, to build up, to teach and to help people to grow in their understanding of the Lord. And so as troublesome times happened, people entertained people as they were on the road fleeing persecution. They took them in and then they would use their gifts to minister one to another. And if they settled down in that area, local churches would begin in those places in the early church as they were moving out from there <clears throat> the next the next thing we look at there in verse 11 it will make us not only more prayerful more helpful but more purposeful verse 11 of first peter 4 therefore whoop, wrong passage if any man speak let him do it as the oracles of god It will make us more purposeful in that we will speak about the word of God. We won't go on about our theories, <laughs> our ideas, but the word of God. Someone put it like this. Are we Galilean Christians receiving fresh water in and giving fresh water out? You go to the top of the Galilee and it's running in. I remember being there and had a big army pontoons where they had it just sitting there for dozers to push it across the, 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 Galilee, the um, Jordan River so they could drive all their tanks across in emergency to get them over quick. Uh, <clears throat> and then down at the bottom of Galilee where it was running out the other end. But some Christians are not like Galilee where we, we take it in, they're like the Dead Sea one. The, the, the Jordan River runs in, runs in, runs in, and nothing's running out. <laughs> in fact, it's the, the level's going down, down. It's so hot down there and just evaporating and of no value. We need to have the word of God being put in, but also it needs to be what? Going out. We need to speak as the oracles of God in verse 11. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. God empowers the, the word that we speak. It's, it's not our word, it's his word. And he can take 
through the Holy Spirit, the word of God that we share, to use for his glory. And what should characterise our preaching and teaching is the word of God, empowered by the Spirit of God, illuminated by him. And um, <clears throat> it, it tells us in, well, Timothy, <laughs> does it not? Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, preach the word. In, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. What is it we're doing? What is it we're saying? What is it we're using? The word of God. For the time will come, and we won't change the word of God, but the time has come when they have, are not enduring sound doctrine, but have, after their own lusts, they have heaped to themselves teachers having itching ears and have turned away the ears from the truth and have turned unto fables. Back in chapter 3, where Paul was talking to Timothy, you, in verse 13 and right down to the end there, he said, From a child you've known the Holy Scriptures has made you wise unto salvation. If I can't back what I say with, Thus saith the Lord, then it shouldn't be said. Don't preach for commandments the doctrines of men, Matthew 15, verse 6 to 9. So it will make us more purposeful. You know, the persecution, you're not, you're not going to be persecuted for your own thoughts. You're only going to stand and be persecuted for thus saith the Lord. Are you going to die for your own thoughts? Some people may. That's foolish. But if you're going to die, you're going to die for what God has said. For thus saith the Lord. And, you know, I'm sure that those who are being martyred, even today, will only die for what the Lord has said. And you feel sorry, very sorry, for those people that die for, the, for, for a religion that's false. And they have. For a cause that's false. So <clears throat> it will make us more purposeful if we go through suffering. It'll, it'll get rid of the dross, the false doctrines and how, how our Christians do come together and get rid of the dross when under persecution so we'll be more purposeful, purposeful about the word of God about the work of God verse 11 again of 1 Peter 4 may speak the, let him speak of the oracles of God it may if any man minister let him do it as the ability that God giveth and so will be more purpose, purposeful about the work of God. If any man minister, do it as the servants of God. God gives us the ability and strength to use his word and to get that out. He's endowed us with the physical strength to minister the word of God. First Corinthians, I put down chapter 1 verse 26, and that's where we've been lately in the evening service. For your calling, brethren, you see it, it's not many wise men of the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty, the base things of the world. And so God has chosen them to do his work. And so God makes us more purposeful about the word of God, about the work of God as he uses us, and in, in Corinthians, there, it talks about the household of Stephanus. 
that they addicted themselves to the work of the Lord. 16 and verse 15 of 1 Corinthians. And it also it makes us more purpose, purposeful about the worship of God in the last part of verse 11. I'm just pushing to get this finished. Back in First Peter. That God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Peter, by inspiration, penned a very similar conclusion to what John did through the book of Revelation. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10.31, Whether ye eat, whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. And so it makes us very purposeful about worshipping the Lord when we go through suffering and uh, persecution. And John was in the isle which is called Patmos and he was being persecuted where he was. But praise God, he got that revelation and he was able to pen down the things that were being said. And one thing that was being said there in Revelation 4 verse 8 and the four beasts, each of them had six wings about him and they were full of eyes within and they rest not day and night saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. We haven't heard that from them yet. But I think one day when we get there, we will hear that thundered out <laughs> from these same beings that John heard. And when those beasts give glory and honour and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders, what did they do? Fall down that before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever ever and ever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying what? And here comes the saints. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honour and power. For thou wast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. And so, in times of persecution, look to the Lord. Give him thanks. Give him praise. Purposefully do that in the, in the hard times, as Peter was exhorting them in his time to do. Forever and ever, amen, he said in verse 11. So there's some thoughts from... First Peter.